It's Alum Group's Andrea Lay, Packview's Melissa Burdick, special guest Jackie Donowski from Flywheel, and I'm PVSB, also from Flywheel. Before we get to the CPG Guys episode you've downloaded, it's the week of May 13th, and it's time for the Fresh Four. Four curated news stories from the past week. We find them polyhistorically intriguing. We hope you do too. They're brought to you through our partnership with Retail Wit, your one-stop shop for retail industry intelligence and news. Retailwit.com. It's retail right now. Jackie, kick us off, would you? Disney Advertising and Walmart Connect to bring closed-loop attribution to streaming advertisers. Well, hello there, Fresh Boy listeners. Disney Advertising and Walmart Connect have solidified an agreement to bring the retailer's industry-leading audience solutions and measurement to Disney's addressable streaming inventory. The collaboration will enable enhanced audience targeting and outcome-based measurements for brand campaigns across Disney's streaming portfolio, including Hulu and Disney+. Connecting Walmart's customer insights with Disney's proprietary audience graph will help advertisers reach their desired audiences and measure the impact of their campaigns through closed-loop attribution. Thanks, Jackie. Andrea, over to you. Hello, Fresh 4 listeners. NBC Universal and Instacart link up to bring retail media opportunities to TV. NBC Universal and Instacart are expanding their existing partnership to include a new retail media workstream that will enable Instacart's CPG advertisers to connect with consumers via NBC Universal's streaming and linear television content. In late 2023, the companies teamed up to include access to NBC Universal's streaming platform Peacock as part of the Instacart Plus membership package. Now, with this new first-party data collaboration, advertisers will be able to reach consumers through NBC Universal's content and measure the impact of their campaigns by leveraging ad exposure and purchase data from Instacart. Thank you, Andrea. Melissa, what do you have for us? Amazon has announced a new country that they're opening up. Amazon has announced that it will launch a new dedicated website for Ireland in 2025. Currently, most Irish customers use Amazon sites based in the UK or other European countries. The company said the Irish site will mean that users will be able to avoid additional customs charges and currency conversion fees, and it will also lead to faster delivery and returns for many items. All right, over to you, Peter. Welcome to another episode of the CPG Guys podcast. Our co-hosts, Sri Rajagopalan and Peter V.S. Bond, explore how brands and retailers engage with consumers online, in-store, and everywhere in between. And now, here are Sri and Peter. Hello, everyone. Welcome again to the CPG Guys podcast. I'm PVSB. I'm the fun half of this dysfunctional duo. Uh, I'm also the Vice President of uh, Partner Strategy and Development at Fetch Rewards Mobile Loyalty Platform. My co-pilot on this journey of exploration around consumer engagement in the CPG retail space is a most righteous dude and a genuine industry icon. We've been friends for two decades, and I can't imagine doing this podcast without his sage insight. We're actually here in the same location for this episode. We're on the West Coast in LA. So please join me in welcoming the man known as Shri. Shri, how you doing? 
to an awesome and this is a great week because there's a bunch of zombies walking around Los Angeles using the words who day and I have no oh, idea. Oh, they're that nuts. Means. I used to live in Cincinnati. I have no idea what that I means. feel your pain. It's crazy. But you know, we're we're just we're just sore loser Giants fans. Unfortunately. So we're not gonna rain on their parade. But I'm gonna pretend I'm a Rams fan because I live here. Oh yeah, you're daughter say I have to wear a Rams yeah, fine. cap and up yeah, your games. Go Rams, go Rams. But my friends in Cincinnati are gonna they're going to unsubscribe to the podcast for me saying that now. Uh-oh. I know. Uh-oh. Anyway. Well, thanks. And uh, before we get to our guests, I want to remind our audience that all of our content over 175 episodes that's available on 40-plus podcasting platforms. If there's a platform for podcasting that we don't know about, I, I can't – I've never heard of it, obviously. But even when I find a new one, I found one the other day. The minute I found it, I checked, and the CPG guys were already on. I have asked you about FM radio in China, but you FM ra- yeah, we've we've been we've been labeled as subversive. So uh, I'm sorry, friends in China, you can't hear our podcast there. I don't know why on FM radio. Only. FM radio, okay, FM radio, okay. airwaves. But, but uh, just visit our website at cpgguys.com. All of our content is free and and it's available to you. So go check it out, and you can get to our podcast and other things we're publishing. If you're not already following us on LinkedIn, please do so. Either open up your LinkedIn mobile app or open up the browser. Go to LinkedIn and in the search box, type in CPG guys. When you get to our page, just click the blue follow button. We've got over, we just crossed over 10,000 followers, Shree. Um, all organically sourced, which means they came to us because they wanted to come to us. We couldn't even pay them to come to us. They actually just decided they wanted to follow us. But seriously, it it's a great good people. They are good people. They are good people. Me too. Yeah. But we love, we love having, all of you follow us. It's a great community. Please join us there if you're not already doing so. Uh, and Shri, you know, we launched another podcast in January. We're, we're global now. Uh, the FMCG guys is now available in Europe. It's with our friend Daniel and Ephraim who try to take the CPG guys format and put a little bit of a European spin on it. So they've had some great guests. They just had the new CEO of wish.com on. They've had some people from Henkel and quite a number of other big brand. So it's a great format. If you want to find them, just go to cpgguys.com. The very first link at the top of the page will take you to uh, their site and you can subscribe to to that. So the FMCG guys, great, great podcast to listen to when you're not listening to us. Uh, And of course, we're very proud to partner with Network of Executive Women. In fact, next week, we've got Sarah Alter, the CEO of Nuon. She's got a big announcement about what's going on with them. If you want to learn more about their mission of gender equality in the workplace, just visit newonline.org slash CPG guys, uh, and you can learn more about what's going on. All right. On to why we're here today. Businesses struggle with managing increased data, channel and customer expectations. They've been throwing money at fragmented systems to manage, distribute, and measure product and customer information. Data and content is constantly inaccurate. I know we talk about this all the time. Limited, it's outdated, or it's late, causing frustrations for manufacturers, the trading partners they have, and ultimately consumers who are trying to learn about products to make informed purchase decisions, right? The CPG guys have partnered in this episode with Syndigo, the first active content engine that enables its customers to rapidly assess and modify content to optimize performance using Syndigo's unique integration of analytics 
throughout the entire product lifecycle, where analytics informs rapid improvements in content integrity and content engagement through a perpetual feedback loop, all with the goal to drive sales across every channel on every shelf. So rejoining us from episode 119 for today's conversation is Syndigo's Chief Product Officer, Mark Dedelich, and he's brought along Pat Niersbach, Syndigo's Senior Vice President of Marketing. They're here to speak about the active content engine and what it means for omnichannel commerce enablement. Mark, Pat, welcome to the CPG guys. How you doing? Great. Thanks. Thanks for having me back. I, I really enjoyed our last discussion and uh, look forward to spending some time with you guys today. But I figured for this one, I had to bring some reinforcements, right? So uh, I made sure Pat, you know, came and uh, was able to tell me what to do. <laughs> and normally, uh, normally I'm behind the scenes pulling, pulling the strings, but happy, happy to be in front of the camera and, and join you guys and, and share some insights with you. That's great. Uh, hey, Pat, before we get to the questions that we've prepared for you, it'd be great uh, for you to provide us with first, where can people learn online more about Syndigo? And would you give us just a brief overview of what Syndigo does? Yeah, absolutely. And you can find us at www.syndigo.com, um, the best place to find all the information you need right there. And then, you know, as, as you mentioned, Peter, we, we were really thrilled to kind of recently announce that we are the first active content engine and we were built to power commerce by enabling the continual flow of data and content throughout that entire e-commerce um, lifecycle. Um, and we improve, help our clients improve decision-making and accelerate sales in every shelf by delivering accurate information. With, with Syndigo, our clients are really able to control all their content and data flows, harness exponential data growth, and get everything they need. Um, and ultimately, these brands and, and recipients are able to leverage the largest two-sided global network to collaborate effectively and, and ultimately kick their sales into high gear. Thanks for that, Pat. So what we're going to do is, uh, to our audience in the digital liner notes of this podcast, you'll find links to both Mark and Pat's LinkedIn profile, uh, a link to their LinkedIn page, and also to Syndigo's webpage. And I believe later on in the episode, they'll probably share with us some great information. We may have some links to share with you uh, to case studies and other types of content that I think you'll find interesting. So always open up your mobile app that you're listening to this on, go to the podcast, click on the digital liner notes, all the hyperlinks. You don't have to write anything down. They're all there for you. All right. So let's get started. I'm going to kick us off. Uh, this will go to you, Pat. So my question is, why is content an important part of omni-channel commerce and why are brands and retailers finding it challenging to manage content at the speed of today's commerce? Yeah, great question. This, this ultimately comes down to the fact that consumer and shopper expectations, as we all know, have changed forever, right? We're living in, in what we like to call this real-time economy right now. And, and shoppers or customers, they don't have to wait to get what they want, right? I mean, they don't even have to go to a store anymore if they ever want to. And if they do brave to go to a store, they don't even have to get out of their car, right? So they got all the options to get what they need really delivered to them. And, and the result of that is ultimately these shoppers, these consumers, these customers are ultimately in control. And, and brands and retailers who think that they're in control still are behind the eight ball on that. And, and they are not in control and, and they need to adjust to this new reality that we're living in. You know, Peter or Shri, think about the last time you went shopping, right? Maybe you actually ventured out of your car and, and went into the store, right? Um, and, and if you did, we know with everything going on in, in the supply chain world that a lot of products are out of stock. Right. And so you as that shopper have, have a choice to make. Are you going to go to the counter and, and ask for a rain check? Right. Has anybody used that word maybe in the last 20 years? I, 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 I don't think so. Right. Um, and so you're either going to buy a different product on the shelf or you're going to pull out your phone and order what you want. And, and there's a chance it actually might beat you home, that product. Right. Given these delivery methods nowadays. 
Um, and so that's kind of the this real-time economy that we're living in that's causing these increased pressures for brands and retailers to adopt adapt. Um, and there's there's tons of stats out there that really underscore the importance of of content and getting it to the shopper. And a few of my favorite are from Statista and, and Trustpilot. Right? They say that you know 62% of shoppers are searching for product information before they buy, and then nine out of ten of them you know read and react to product reviews, which I know is close to your heart, Peter. Um, uh, and then you know throw in the average the average cart abandonment rates of almost 70%. And it's really easy to see why if you want your products to move off of any shelf, you really have to have this accurate, engaging content displayed everywhere and anywhere um, your shoppers or customers are looking for it. And then we all know it's easier said than done, right? If this if this was easy, you know, Mark and I wouldn't be in business. Um, but, but the challenge, as you alluded to earlier, is a lot of companies are really plagued by just bad data that they can't trust. And not to mention, they're kind of moving glacially slow, you know, at the speed of yesterday still. And so... Combine that with the fact that, you know, most of these companies are stringing together multiple disparate tools that may be really good at one point solution or one 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 thing, um, but they're not they're not connected. They're incomplete. And this ultimately causes inefficiencies in this in the process and really hurts sales. Um, and, and another just stat from Gartner, right? They say companies lose more than 14 million dollars a year for this bad, incomplete siloed data. Right. So multiply that by all the companies trying to sell things in the world. And you could really easily see why getting you know the right data matters to the shopper at the right time. Mark, welcome back to the CPG guys. Pat, pleasure to have you on the CPG guys. You're hundred percent right, Pat. I still very much go to the store. In fact, it's my primary vehicle for shopping. As hard as it may be for the audience to believe. And but I also do it because uh, I just love browsing the aisle. And uh, you're right. When I go to the store and I can't find an item because it's not on the shelf, I never ask for a rain check. I'm not in the last few years. What I do is I, I love talking to store managers. So I usually call them, ask them if it's genuinely out of stock. What ends up happening is I whip my phone out and I usually go to uh, different retail websites that are close enough. And I just have it delivered home. But guess what's the first thing I do, Peter? What? If I'm not familiar with the item, it's a first-time purchase, I look at the reviews. Yeah. And um, the most important thing in that journey, though, is when I search for the item, it needs to show up. Yeah. And the best way for that to be accurate is you have to have product data that's robust and also represents the search. It's like, a, to me, it's a two-piece ecosystem. So, Mark, this question's for you as a result of what we just spoke about, right? How do brands actually go about doing that, which is building trust with retail customers through accurate and complete product data? You know, I, I think the first thing we have to recognize, you know, to, to your point is that, you know, brands want to tell their story, right? They have a way of describing their products. They have images and, and uh, things they want to use, assets they want to use to tell their story. But at the same time, retailers have their own formats. They have their own desire as to how they like to tell the story because their shoppers are unique to them. And they're the ones providing that that shopping experience, whether it's in the store or, or online. And they want consistency across the brands, right? And to be able to, to give their shoppers a, that great shopping experience with the retailer. And so right away, right, right out of the chute, um, you've got this disconnect. There are gaps, there are differences, there are transformations between what the brands want to do and what a retailer wants to do. And so, you know, this natural, I guess you can call it mistrust, but it's, it's really this, this difference of opinion, if you will, as to what data, how to tell the story, how to, how to put the best product content forth. 
And, you know, at Syndigo, when, when we developed the active content engine, we really said we need to help both sides of this network come together. We need to sit in the middle of, of this ecosystem and really help clients on, you know, a manufacturer or brand side to master their content, to go ahead and, and have the most up to date, best content they can for their products, telling the story the way they want to all of the information that's required to move that product through the supply chain and get it in front of shoppers, but at the same time also have transparency and visibility into the different ways that their retailers and their sales channels want the data so that right away they can see, oh my gosh, even though I want it to say A, this retailer wants it to say B, right? And they can know that immediately, they can modify that, they can make the changes, and with real-time data quality, understand that the content that they then want to send downstream through the supply chain is actually going to be accurate and, and usable. And it's critically important. You know, like you mentioned, there's, you know, whether it's incomplete data, hey, if you have incomplete data, you're not even going to show up on the shelf, right? Like there's a minimum amount of information just to get your product listed, right? Um, but beyond that, it's the inaccuracies, right? If your data um, is is wrong in terms of, you know, weights or dimensions or measurements or information about the product, you're going to cause returns. You're going to cause all of that inefficiency that Pat spoke about in terms of the billions of dollars that are spent um, wasted in the supply chain because of that bad data. Um, or you're just going to provide bad shopping experiences, right? And you're not going to get the sales that that you probably could. Um, you know, in some cases, especially in CPG and food products, it might even be a matter of life and death, right? You got bad allergens, you got bad ingredient data, you have information there that is inaccurate, you could really be causing problems for, for your shoppers. So, you know, the, the content that we deal with, you know, the other kind of um, aspect of it is that it's not static. It changes all the time. The product content that a manufacturer sent out, you know, maybe to their, their uh, supply chain and sales channels this morning, it could be invalid this afternoon because of changes in attributes or changes in business rules or changes in the way that that um, category merchant wants to put those products, you know, into their, their assortment. And so, you know, from our perspective, we literally see 25,000 attribute changes a month. That's how dynamic this data is. In Q4 of 2021 alone, just Q4, we changed 600 requirement sets for how retailers want business rules applied to the content that they're receiving from brands. So it is a highly active and dynamic set of content that, that you know brands need to manage in this manner. Mark, that kind of sets me up for my next question, which I'll throw to you, which is PIMs, DAMs, and MDMs. I kind of sound like Lions and tigers and bears, oh my. But, but what are PIMS, DAMs, and MDMs, and how can they create friction around data governance, which you've kind of been discussing? And, and what's the solution against it? Because to your point, there are so many changes on the retail side. Products are constantly being reformulated, tweaked, updated. And how do you make sure that when the consumer goes to actually search for the content, that it really is accurate and up to date. How? What is the solution for this? No, I mean, I, I, I didn't realize I was going to get the quiz, but I'll try to like articulate MDM, PIM, and DAM. So um, MDMs, um, really, when you think about master data management, that's an MDM, 
you know, the companies um, have many different sources of data for product content, say, and they need to be able to match and merge and integrate all those sources to truly create sort of what, what is referred to as the golden record, right? The one standard highest quality um, active data that's, that's out there um, and then take that data and integrate it back to all of their other systems, whether that's their CRM system, an ERP system, a procurement system, all the uh, legacy systems that, that run their company. And there needs to be governance and workflows applied to, to that kind of data to make sure that it stays accurate and, and up to date. And it's not just products. When you're talking about an MDM, you're also talking about mastering things like customer data, or store location data, facility data, vehicle data. There's lots of master um, data management and, and the term is sort of a multi-domain MDM that comes into play. Um, the PIM allows you to, um, a product information management system, right, um, really allows you to take kind of that core product data and enrich it even further, right? A lot of times the marketing organization um, needs to add information for SEO and, and optimization to be able to find it and search to, to Shree's point. Um, you think about wanting to add additional digital assets or maybe add unique attributes that are for a particular sales channel. And that's what really PIM is, is there to do, help you manage and override and articulate that information for all the other various places that it needs to go outside the four walls of, of your company. The dam is uh, digital asset management really around managing the images, the videos, the PDF documents, animation files, all the digital assets that have to go along with this product data um, anytime you want to you know, use it to get into an e-commerce ecosystem or do something downstream. So um, very similar governance rules, versioning control, making sure that the right digital assets are being used for things like the imagery of the product, the product label, um, things of those that nature. You know, you, you talked about like sort of the, 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 the friction and like, you know, why this kind of causes a problem. I think Pat mentioned it, you know, earlier. Um, it's, it's really the fact that companies traditionally have had different systems for these three things. They had a PIM, they had an MDM, they had a DAM, and they all need to function together. And so what happens is you need to move data between them. And every time you try to integrate and move data between them, there's opportunities for a loss of fidelity of the data, poor data quality, bad mappings, different taxonomies. Um, there's a time delay in terms of moving the information around. Uh, there may be governance conflicts in terms of what data wins, right? And so all of this causes data to get stuck, right? And it doesn't flow. And when that data is not flowing, when that content's not flowing, your products aren't going to move either, right? They're not going to go through the supply chain. They're not going to get out there in, in front of shoppers. And that's really why we developed the active content engine. You know, we, we have the, uh, the vision and, and the, uh, the ability to provide the ability to master that data and govern the data with an MDM. Um, build those custom workflows, ensure that governance, um, put it in the context of the customer data, the store location data, the region that it's going to, so that you can tailor the product information in those ways to, to better personalize it. And at the same time, see all those downstream retail sales channels enrich the data with the PIM and add those other digital assets with the DAM, um, complete a, compete, uh, a complete story um, for your product online. And really that's when um, 
the, the, the product content flowing through the supply chain in that manner without all of these stopping points and loss of fidelity and data quality is what really allows products to flow and be fast and accurate and impactful data, um, really resulting in, in better sales and, and uh, avoiding all of those poor returns and things that, that Pat mentioned as the negative sides. Listening to you speak, Mark, as well as having lived a lot of this in previous lives and my day jobs, PIMs, DAMs, MDMs, they sound actually quite overwhelming. You referred to a golden record, right? Every brand's dream is to achieve the golden record, but also persevere by maintaining the golden record. I, and then when you look at different retail channels, everybody's got different set of requirements. Most of them don't overlap with each other. And also content changes continuously, pack size changes, could be allergens like we talked about, Pat, right up top on the show. So, Pat, why don't you take us through what Syndigo does to make this whole process seamless and easy for the brand community and solve for this reality? Great point. And, and we really kind of sit in a unique position because Syndigo, we're, we serve both the brands, the retailers, distributors, and their customers alike. Right. So this gives us a unique view into the, kind of the full working knowledge of the data in the ecosystem, as well as the context behind that data. And that context is what's important because different channels require different context. If you're displaying content to someone on a mobile app or a mobile website, it's different than in-store, obviously, or on, on a website. Um, and, and we like to call this really that network effect. And it's, it's one of the many benefits of having really a true global two-sided network because we are working, you know, with over 1700 global recipient retailer clients. And we have a whole team that's dedicated to partnering with these, these retailers and recipients really to ensure that we as Syndigo understand their processes, um, including how and, and when and what format they prefer to accept the content, as well as making sure we've got their taxonomy correct and up to date as possible. Um, you know, as, as we've heard, it changes very frequently and we, we do our best, but really having, you know, the boots on the ground and partnering with these retailers kind of helps us kind of make sure that the data that's coming through from suppliers is accurate and correct the first time, right? So being able to understand that we're not wasting time and money going back and forth, that's a huge kind of help to the entire ecosystem. Um, also, you know, in our systems, we have workflows and real-time content scores available to clients, right, to help see which content meets each unique requirement set because Shri, as you said, very, very few attributes overlap, right? And, and rightfully so, retailer A would like something different than retailer B to stand out. Um, and so being able to see that and know that before you publish your content, or if you're a retailer, before you accept that content is huge, right? That just drives efficiency throughout the entire system. And Mark, I think that's what you said, you know, 25,000 attribute changes per month. That's just an incredible amount. I mean, I want to just come back to that really quick. That is, that's a lot. And, you know, you, what what you could have submitted when you started this podcast, probably like to your point, isn't accurate anymore, right? Based on some changes that, that they've made, right? And and the result of that, again, is really just lost sales and, and extra man hours, right? So inefficiencies and dollars being burnt to try and try and stay up with, with everything that's going on. And, and, and I think the other thing really to, to mention is our, our data quality engine and the corresponding thousands of sets of rules that, that take place for this. You know, it's, for example, we've got rules in place to, to make sure the data that is entered is in line with what the recipient is expecting. You know, things like volume, if it's a volume field, putting in ounces versus milliliters, um, you know, kind of kind of a fun example. It might be an extreme case we always talk about and is this infamous 12-foot toothbrush that got that got sent through, right? Um, and, you know, hopefully it wasn't being sold to a giant or maybe it was accurate, but, you know, it's a funny 
situation, but this happens, right? More than you would think. And it's, it's probably not funny to the person receiving that data and trying to figure out how to, how to, you know, cause they're just processing the numbers, right? How to make room on the truck, how to make room on the shelf, how to make room in the warehouse to house this package. That's clearly a, a, a typo, right? So you can see how even these minor inaccuracies, right? Can result in huge problems for, for everybody in the information chain. So, so really, that's Shri. That's how we help. We, you know, we're built for today's real-time economy. We're both sides of the network, um, and this really includes our team that's dedicated to partnering with the retailers, as well as our team of data scientists, our taxonomy experts, our registered dietitians, right, for the the CPG world. Um, in addition to our technology, right, this is all to help get that data right that first time. I'd like to remind our audience that we are speaking today with Pat Yersbach, SVP of Marketing, and Mark Dadelich, Chief Product Officer, both at Syndigo. Engaging experiences are essential to building customer loyalty and winning the sale both online and in-store. So, Mark, how should brands be focused on enabling this through product data? Sure. I mean, I think it really is all about the, the experience. And we've, we've talked a little bit already about the importance of complete product data and accurate product data, up-to-date product data, right? The right packaging information, the right imagery, et cetera, that's critically important. Um, and, and a lot of times, you know, that's just table stakes though, right? You need to make sure that the, in an omni-channel world, like we talked about, you know, tree walking in the store versus uh, using his phone to buy something, you know, the, the, the data, and the information on the shelf in the store and on the shelf online needs to be the same, right? And if you ordered something online and you're picking it up in the store or it's being delivered to your house or whatever the, the mechanism is, you expect that data to be consistent. You want an experience that says, um, I got what I ordered. This is what I thought I was buying, right? Or I researched it online. This is the product I want. When I walk in your store, I want to be able to find it and know that it's the same product and not something different, a different pack size, a different version you know, et cetera. And so that product data and having it consistent, accurate, up-to-date is critically important. But the other piece of experiences is really being able to tell the story to the shopper to convince them to buy your product. And some retailers actually allow the brands, you know, we talked about the trust between brands and, and retailers earlier. Um, some retailers will give up some space on their product detail page and basically allow the brand to say in this space, you can tell your story, right? Use enhanced content, use rich media, um, and you can own this property on the page. And it's up to you to make sure that you're, you're putting the information there that, that you want. And, you know, that's an important um, sort of way of building those experiences. You know, our active content engine manages all types of content. So not only those attributes and the digital assets that, that make up that product data we talked about, but also this enhanced content and, and rich media. Authoring things like video galleries or image galleries or feature sets or comparison charts, comparison tables, um, maybe it's product selectors, etc. Um, things that really give that digital experience online that helps the shopper really understand the product and engage with it and and make the decision to to put it in their their cart and and buy. We syndicate this type of content to over 5,000 websites around the world. In fact, um, we had over 4.3 billion shoppers engage with our enhanced content last year. So that is an amazing amount of data and information about um, the shopper behavior and the kind of content um, that really works when you're talking about trying to uh, to convert shoppers. 
And in our experience, we've seen and proven that having these additional digital experiences above and beyond just the accurate and complete product data can actually drive around 30% increase in sales lift um, from having um, shoppers engage with these additional experiences. So it's critical and needs to be a big part of your overall content strategy. Mark, I want to get a little bit into the data and analytics that you referred to right at the top of this question. Clearly, product data usage, analytics, shopper behavior, etc., will should I would think theoretically help improve content that actually drives bottom funnel activity, which is conversion. You know, from browsing all the way to a shopper checking out. Could you give us your views on how data and analytics can influence that for a brand? You know, data and analytics is is critically important part of this overall architecture and ecosystem, you know, um, for any brand or retailer managing and creating all of this content, it's a big investment. It's a lot of time. It's a lot of money. It's uh, a lot of energy to, to try and um, create it and, and keep it right. And so you need to optimize that for maximizing your return on that investment, right? And if you think about it, there are different mechanisms, different types of experiences, different types of data and digital assets have different impact in varying categories, right? What works in beverages is maybe not going to work in clothing, is not going to work in, you know, another category or across retailers or within regions or zip codes. So the real analytics and an understanding of what's going on with shoppers interacting with your data at these levels of granularity is very important so that you can um, sort of apply your limited resources and money in the right place to build the best possible content that um, they can have the maximum impact. When we built the active content engine, we knew that this continuous cycle of, of content creation and management and syndication needed an optimization as well. It needs a set of digital shelf analytics, if you will. Um, you know, Shri, earlier we talked about discoverability. I've got to be able to find a product out there as a shopper. So analytics around what's my share of search based on different search terms. What's my share of shelf based on taxonomies on retailer sites. What's happening with sponsored ads and listings versus organic listings. Is somebody buying um, promotional banner ads on category pages where I'm trying to sell my brand, right? So insight into discoverability is very important. If I've discovered the product, though, I also need to be able to buy it, right? And so understanding information like, is the product in stock, right? And not just in stock across the country, but by zip code or by store, is it there? Can I actually purchase it, right? Because I'm not going to get the sale if the product's not there and I can't buy it. Um, if it's a marketplace, Who's winning the buy box? Who is the actual seller that's going to get that sale um, based on the marketplace algorithm? And if you want it to be you, why isn't it you? Who is it, right? Um, then you think about content experience, content health. Um, we talked about ratings and reviews being one of the first things that maybe shoppers look at. You need to understand what are your ratings and reviews? What are the trends? How do you stack up against your competitors? Pricing intelligence, where am I priced at? Are other competing brands on sale right now? Are there promotions going on? Um, all of this information around trying to understand how does my content, how do my products stack up on the digital shelf compared to everybody else? 
Um, we just talked a little bit ago about the shopper behavior and, you know, with the data we collect from, from those 4.3 billion shoppers interacting with our content, we know what did they click on? Where did they come from? Did they come from a digital ad? Did they come from Google search? Did they just jump into the retailer website to get to the product page? What did they do while they were there? What content did they engage with? And when did they add something to the cart and actually buy it versus not? That's critical information for A-B testing all types of content and making sure that you're putting the right stuff out there to, to maximize your sales. Now, the interesting part about having all of these analytics integrated with the active content engine is that we also have the ability in the same platform, in the same place to take action on these insights. You can actually change your content, add your content, rearrange your digital imagery or your assets. You can do things that actually will allow you to very quickly close that loop, make some changes, make some updates, resyndicate the content, and take advantage of that optimization right away. So it's a, it's a critical component of making sure that your overall content management program is doing the best it can do. Uh, Syndico has recently revealed a new visual brand identity centered around being the first active content engine that powers the continual flow of data and content throughout the entire commerce ecosystem. Pat, can you help our audience understand this in context of everything we've been discussing so far? Yeah, absolutely. And we are really excited and really pumped to roll out this new visual identity and the, and be the first active content engine really built to power commerce. Um, we, we've done, we did a lot of research, a lot of hard work went into this. We talked to our clients, market, the market partners, right? So this wasn't just, you know, us sitting in a room coming up with a couple of buzzwords, right? This is really kind of feedback directly from our clients and, and the industry and what they needed. And, and to me, it really comes down to those three words. And if we break them down one by one, right? Active. We, we talked about active a little bit earlier, but but really to hit this point home, it, it refers to your con your content constantly flowing and being optimized throughout the entire process. You know, think about the impact that static data can have on your business, right? So not only are you you know putting garbage in, but you're getting garbage out, right? As the expression goes, and you're not being able to update that based on you know not meeting requirements or shoppers not buying it potentially, right? Being able to continually improve that content is really a key part of being active. And, you know, you, Mark rattled off some stats earlier, but you, you, you know, our systems are, are very active, right? With over 600,000 publications, you know, per day um, and that data coming out, right? So it's, it's, it's very active. Now, when we move to content, we mean all content, right? Content with a capital C. This is internal and external content. This is, you know, master data of all domains, as Mark talked about. This is your product information. This is digital assets, enhanced content, rich media, digital shelf performance. This is really a holistic place to store and improve all of your content required to move products off the shelf, off any shelf. Um, and, and just, you know, volume there, we have more than 250 million assets, right? Filtering through over 10,000 data quality rules over a million times a day. And, you know, Mark, Mark may, may kill me for saying this, but we have plenty of room for more, right? So we are not, we are not maxed out by any means. We are ready to keep going. And the engine is really what kind of powers information between all participants, you know, really integrating between different enterprise systems, connecting and enabling collaboration between these internal and external partners and teams, and ultimately closing that loop, right, really to fuel those downstream systems and, and drive sales. So if I were to simplify it, I, I would say really, we really give our clients exactly what they need without having to trade-offs or sacrifice anything. We've put together this internal data governance, 
combined with effective content delivery plus performance feedback and optimization, really all to help deliver accurate information that improves decision-making and accelerates sales on every shelf. So we've talked analytics, we've talked about a shopper in-store finding an out-of-stock and eventually ending up buying online as they browse. We've talked about 250 million pieces of content. Wow. MDMs, PIMs, DAMs. So why don't we try to summarize this episode and I'll ask you both the question with to get both of your views on this one. Why should a brand, a retailer, a distributor, any size, be invested in active content and if they want to get started because it's not been one of their fortes or domains to date, how do they get started? Sure. I mean, I'll, I'll take that one first, Pat, and then you can you can jump in. Um, you know, I think that's the key. Regardless of the size of your brand or, or, or the distributor or, or the retailer, you know, I think everyone today is participating in this real-time marketplace that, that Pat mentioned, right? Your, your products are um, being searched for, trying to be discovered, maybe being purchased or, or delivered online, in-store, through all different kinds of, of mechanisms. And so, 
um, in order to, you know, be in the game, um, you've got to have this content out there. And I think that, you know, the key is to get your content um, moving efficiently and effectively um, in order to allow your products to get through the supply chain in the most efficient way, wind up in the hands of, of shoppers. And, you know, the, the, the channels that you're selling into will continue to expand. The demands for the scope of content, the type of content, the digital assets that a retailer may request of you as a brand will continue to expand. Um, the shopper expectations for the kinds of information that is available, the kinds of experiences that are available will continue to expand. It's only going to get um, more complex and, and more accelerated, right? People are um, uh, just accustomed to, to living in this real-time economy and having a shopper journey that can bounce all over the place and uh, kind of find and, and buy and receive products wherever they desire. And, you know, brands and, and retailers are going to have to participate in that. So I, I think the key is, you know, you can start anywhere, right? We have clients that have started with, you know, basic information, you know, supply chain data for their products to make sure that it can move. Um, we've had clients start with enhanced content. We've had clients start with analytics. We've had clients start with, you know, a PIM and, and marketing information. So there really is no single path through this. Um, the key is to get started, right? The key is to sort of assess where you are, understand the maturity of your content and really what's driving um, your, your sales and how to add value. And there's ways to then grow um, and expand those capabilities um, as your needs grow as a, as a company. Yep. Thanks, Mark. I appreciate that. And I think I would just add on top of that, that it's not a one size fits all approach, as you mentioned, right? Based on the journey uh, and the content maturity where, where you are as a client, you can come in at any point, right? And if you're looking hypothetically looking for, you know, a, a true enterprise PIM solution, right? That's in, that's cloud native for more flexibility. You're able to kind of realize a faster time to value by getting started with enhanced content in a, you know, separate workflow, right? That's in that same platform. So you don't have to wait nine to 12 months, you know, for a full enterprise PIM install to get that, that value. You're able to kind of start realizing, you know, value of winning of optimizing that, that the uh, e-commerce experience tomorrow, right? All from that same system. So ultimately it's able to help clients kind of realize value more quickly, um, you know, once they find out where they want to get started from. I want to remind our audience that all of our content links to our podcast on 40 plus platforms, links to the FMCG guys podcast and other podcasts we listen to and we don't listen to ourselves talk, all of our content, it's all free. Just go to cpgguys.com. And if you think you or your company have some thought leadership to contribute to our community discussion, just drop us an email contact at cpgguys.com. Maybe you can join us on the podcast. We love hearing feedback and thoughts from our audience. I'm blown away by this episode, guys, because we covered so much ground and you broke it down extremely well. This is all digestible. And no one should be intimidated after you went through such a thorough um, discussion. I want to thank both Pat and Mark for joining us on this episode. It was terrific. We're going to have links to everything I said, your LinkedIn profiles, company site, any case studies, all that's in the digital liner notes of this podcast. But Mark, Pat, thanks so much for joining us. Great. Thanks for having us. It was, uh, it was a great discussion and look forward to uh, being able to join you guys again in the future as well. Thank you for having us. Appreciate it. Sharif, summary thoughts. 
you know, question eight that I asked both Pat and Mark kind of summed up the episode, right? Yeah. To me, what Syndigo spoke of today is like a knowledge bank. For, it's a knowledge bank that's actually required. It's not an optional knowledge bank. And constantly right? evolving at the speed of real commerce. Time. Pretty real much time. real time. Yeah. Like, in fact, I'm looking forward to Syndigo someday putting out in the future real-time capabilities on this stuff. Yeah. But because content is constantly changing. Yep. Retailers of different platforms. Yeah. Retailers also upgrading their web systems due to which requirements may change, right? And the number of pieces available, if you just thought about when you walk inside a store, digital off, it, it gets more complex mm-hmm. digital. But if you look at a store with the number of SKUs in store, yeah. the significant number of pieces of content, it's mind boggling. So to have a system like a PIM or DAM and be able yeah. to let it flow through the ecosystem and manage a lot of that on Five processes is like best case scenario. Yeah, that's terrific. So anyhow, Sri, thank you for your thoughts on that. Uh, as always, thank you for joining me on this you journey. Can. It was a Likewise, great conversation. Man. Can't wait for our next one. To our audience, thanks for joining us. And we look forward to speaking with you on the next episode of the CPG Guys podcast. Goodbye. Content in this podcast episode is provided for general informational purposes only. By listening to our episode, you understand that no information contained in this episode should be construed as advice from CPG Guys LLC or the individual author, hosts, or guests, nor is it intended to be a substitute for research on any subject matter. Reference to any specific product or entity does not constitute an endorsement or recommendation by CPG Guys LLC. The views expressed by guests are their own and their appearance on the program does not imply an endorsement of them or any entity they represent. The views expressed by CPG Guys LLC do not represent the views of their employers or the entity they represent. CPG Guys LLC expressly disclaims any and all liability or responsibility for any direct, indirect, incidental, special, consequential, or other damages arising out of any individual's use of reference to or inability to use this podcast or the information we present in this podcast.